Hello and welcome to episode 211 of the Punter Podcast. I'm Chris Barnett. Saturday sees the final day of this year's Royal Ascot with another seven race card for everybody to look forward to. The feature race is the sixth furlong Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes with a real international field such as Artorias, Wellington and others coming over from Ireland as well to take on the best of the UK racers should be a fascinating contest. City AM Racing Editor Bill Esdale, he previews Saturday's Royal Ascot card with the totes Jamie Hart advising us on some of the unique Whirlpool betting opportunities they've been there all five days and Saturday the final day of Royal Ascot with Whirlpool in 2023. Wally Pirate, he's also on hand. He's back with us this Friday to preview Sunday's card at Sha Tin Racecourse in Hong Kong. So let's head to Royal Ascot once again. Bill Esdale has been there for us all week with the selections and previews, and we're going to look at Saturday's card in a moment. But before we do, we record this on the Friday morning, so Bill, we're pretty much up to date with the way things stand. And Thursday, Gold Cup Day, Ladies' Day, they should rename it Bookmakers Day. The bookies had an absolute thrill, didn't they? Yeah, it's a 150 to one winner, 50 to one winner. But that's Ascot. I mean, it is an equine roulette. I've said it before. If you, if you like roulette, this is the place to come because, you know, when you look at the winner of the first race, the yeah. 150s, and look, it's just competitive racing on fast ground and you get funny results and you have to take the rough of the smooth. It's a great place to be a bookmaker, always has been. Uh, but it is quality racing. It's not the best racing in the world, and you know we're lucky to have it. And I think I said yeah. in the pod last week about British racing not not puffing its chest out enough to applaud what it puts on. And you know, particularly looking ahead towards Saturday's fair, you've got a uh, uh, Queen's for the second Jubilee Stokes that's as good a race as I've seen on a flat for twenty years. You've got a, a, a brilliant horse from Australia, a brilliant horse from Hong Kong and a brilliant triple group one winner from our own shores all taking each other on you know no other jurisdiction in the world can boast international competition like we can and it's you know it's in americans as well it's amazing it's 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 quality racing and we should be proud of it talking of the ground it's been pretty easy for chris stickles hasn't he had the rain on the uh, tuesday morning just before racing but since then it's been dry and they've just been watering to maintain what has been pretty fast ground yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely getting quicker. I mean, the times don't tell you it's getting that quicker. It's not, there's nothing lightning. They're going quick, but the ground is definitely on the quick side. I think the two days that we've got coming up today, Friday and, and tomorrow, Saturday, are going to be tougher for him. Uh, I think they're going to have to probably put four or five mils on tonight uh, to maintain because we've got a 29, 30 degree day today and a 29, 30 degree day tomorrow. So it's replacing lost, lost, um, lost water, but it will be quick. It will be quick ground and, and you need to, to be with horses that can handle it. Just recently, we spoke to James Richardson from Thoroughbid. Now, they were selling Thunder Bear as a one-off auction from the Jack Davidson yard over in Ireland. And the horse was sold on that auction. And Thunder Bear has been declared with Jamie Spencer on board to run in the, the jersey, as they were saying beforehand. So you knew you bought, when you bought Thunder Bear, you're going to get a Royal Ascot runner. It's quite exciting for those owners that dipped in the pocket and bought Thunder Bear ahead of this meeting. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah. look, Will Armitage is a long old friend of mine and uh, he's involved uh, with King of Stars with me. And 
has been a lifelong friend. He he he's bought fifty percent of Thunder Bear. Uh, tomorrow is a very special day because his late father was a steward here at Ascot for thirty years, and it would have been his birthday tomorrow. Oh, wow. And Will has brought his colours back, so he runs in the colours of Will's late father, and yeah, quite emotional for Will to have a run on what would have been his dad's birthday in the Jersey State. So it's an amazing, amazing day, and the, and the horse is an excited. It's not about tomorrow; it's about the future, really, with him. Um, but just to have a runner uh, in his colours in the Jersey State would be amazing, and um, you know, we wish them every success. Would be a great story. How good is the story that the king and the queen had a winner, by the way, on on Thursday, and that. Frankie won the Gold Cup. You know, we, we we need good stories in racing. The King looked, looked quite emotional. He was a bit of a tear, and so did Camilla. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it, I know, obviously he'd be thinking of his mum, like anyone would be. But I think it was very important for racing in this country, particularly on the flat. That the Royals had a big day out, and, and for them to have a winner, and, and you know, it was in the winners' enclosure afterwards, and you could see they were genuinely chuffed to bits. And you don't normally see that passion from him. Um, I've always slightly felt that he's here on sufferance, has been here on sufferance yeah. in the past, but he looked to be really enjoying it. And, you know, that's it's very important that these colours uh, continue and the association with the sport continues. And, yeah, so yesterday was a massive day. And, you know, as I said to someone here in the press room yesterday, we may be losing the, the, a huge ambassador for the sport in Frankie, which we will be, and, and racing has to pick itself up with that. But, wow, if we could get the king and queen fully embedded into racing, that would be a great switch. Absolutely. They did really look like they were totally enjoying themselves. And that's the first time you'd see that twinkle in the King's eye. Yeah, there was a bit that I, that, that I liked. Was, um, he kind of leant across and, and uh, kind of pickled the horse's nose after the win, you know, which is just showed an association. Normally, yeah. you know, you could just walk away, but he just wanted a touch and, and congratulate the horse, which was a sweet thing. And um, yeah, long may that continue. I thought the best moment was when Tom Marquand walked the horse down to the, the royal box and he looked up and, and, and the king just waved with his fingers at him like like you're waving to your daughter who's going to first sweet. day at school. It's a really lovely moment. That yeah, it was sweet. And, and it's actually yeah. similar. His mother used to do the same thing. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Used yeah. to look up. So it's, you know, it's yeah. all, you know, it's, 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 I think Zara Phillips did a, did a um, interview yeah. on ITV immediately afterwards. As she said, it made the point. You know, it's keeping the legacy going. It's very important. He should get her as his racing manager. She's pretty good at that. <laughs> very, very articulate. Very good. Very, very much so. Anyway, let's move on. Then it was all great stuff so far. Saturday, we've got another busy day. Whirlpool final day for them this week in town. We've got Wellington to look forward to coming over from Hong Kong. That's going to really boost the Whirlpool market. We'll get into all of that. Uh, as we said, the jersey is there as well. It's going to be a cracking day. Other group races to look forward to. We're going to start with a tricky one now. And we're starting with a couple of seven furlong races. At 2.30, it's the Chesham, which is a listed race for the two-year-olds. And there are 17 of them here going to post. It looks like Aiden's got a pretty strong hand. He's got Pearls and Rubies going here, who won her race. She's by No Nay Never. And then he's got Content as well who's by Galileo. She was uh, third in her race at Leopardstown. Ryan Moore is on Pearls and Rubies. La Garida goes for Richard Hannon. In the Ammo Colours, they've had their Royal Ascot winner, so they'll be really happy having spent a lot of money on horses. Golden Mine for Richard Fye. He's had two runs. He won his second. Namonte 
comes from Ireland as well, Joseph O'Brien, and uh, she was the winner of her only run at the Curra. So it's one of those two-year-old races again, Bill. It's really hard. It's been hard all week. And seven furlongs, that's one of those intermediate distances as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's always traffic here. But this is, this has been a race that Aidan O'Brien's kind of farmed in recent years, about four of the last seven runnings. And Pearls and Ruby, that's the one, uh, Ryan Moore's mount. Uh, she, she began life over five, so it's a big step up. But she kind of coped with five rather than was suited by it. She needed every yard and ran on strongly. She'll handle the ground by no, nay, never. Um, you just fancy that this will be another winner for that inform yard of Aidan O'Brien. Looking at the others, Lagarita of the Hands was an impressive winner. Um, last time at Goodwood. Um, that looks a nice, probably the best bit of form from the home team. Uh, it was a, a really good race, funny enough, at, uh, at uh, Yarmouth um, at the beginning of the month, uh, where the three of them fought it out all back at here. Lightning Leo, Seodati, Seodar, where it's called, Seodati, Seodate, and Quattro Brass. It was a real mouthful for the commentator, but all three of those are back. <laughs> They were separated by half a length that day. There probably won't be much between them. The market yeah. suggests that Andrew Baldy's horse is the one to step forward the most. Ocean Murphy takes the right there. Um, Sedati, Sedati, and that's probably an interesting one. But I think Pearls and Rubies will win. I think it'll just be rock solid. Uh, she gets the vote. And from a kind of Quinella point of view, I'd probably put like a reader in and Sedati, Sedati, and probably play those two, 16, 13, and 9. Um, I'm leaving out content. Is that wise? Probably not. Like you said, she's bred by Galileo. Um, she made a pleasing start today against Buttons. But look, I'll go, I'll go with Pearls and Rubies and put the other two in for Quinella Becky. If it's 28, 30 degrees on Saturday, the stall handlers will be happy because the 305, they don't have to move the stalls. Seven furlongs once again. It is the jersey. It's a group three with 15 going to post. And we've had the two-year-olds to get us underway. Now we have the three-year-olds up against each other. Covey has won three of his four, and Frank was on a pretty good week as well. Uh, he goes for Jonathan Eddie Gosden. Frankie the Tory going to be very popular on many markets. Covey has not done an awful lot wrong. He was second on debut. That was at Southern, if you look back at that. But anyway, those things happen, don't they? Uh, then we've got Enfjar for Roger Varian and Shadwell. That's unbeaten. Two from two is a Lope de Vega colt. He's won over seven and eight, so he's dropping back in trip. The Antarctic's had quite a few runs for Aidan O'Brien, including a win at Nace last time out. Charlie Appleby hasn't really hit the heights so far as we record this one. He's got Mysterious Knight, Tong Tai on first time, Will Buick in the saddle. Ammo have got one in there. Holloway Boy, who won at the meeting last year when making his debut, is back for some more as well. But uh, we're talking about three-year-olds this time over that seven furlong trip, Bill. Yeah, I mean, Kobe was really impressive last time. I wasn't sure um, he was going to win the Haydock race. It was a competitive race, and he seemed such a short price for me for, for that silver bowl, but he won it really impressively, walked, walked away with that to handicap, trots back in trip, steps up in class. Lenny short enough. But I said that last time, he's the most likely winner. Um, Infjar is one, there's only two, bound to be there or thereabouts, but again, another short one. And the Antarctic was beaten at this meeting last year, but proved to win that group three we were talking about where he um, he beat Thunderbear in that race um, uh, last month. Uh, he, he, he's a player too. Look, 
I think Covey will win. I think this is an interesting race from a Whirlpool perspective because there's some bigger price ones that could definitely be in the mix. And I'm going to be brave enough to leave out MGR in the Antarctic, which is probably stupid. But I'll probably leave Covey in. But the two I'd probably play in, in, the, in the kind of Quinella, for Quinella purposes would be Olivia Moralda, uh, Roger Varian's Philly, who just seems to love fast ground. Um, her three best runs of her life have come on Chris Brown. Seventh to dramatise in the Queen Mary. Gold put up on Newbury. And then was really good at Epsom last time. She's just a progressive filly. I think she can run really well. And the other one is Jesse Harrington's um, Colt. Kwa Shaman, number 11. Um, you probably didn't quite see out the, the um, guineas and um, in the Irish guineas last time. And dropping back to seven might be all right. But had looked pretty good before that. So I'll probably play those two. In the Cronella with Kobe, that's probably the way I'll play the jersey. The feature race on Saturday is the Group 1. This year it's called the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes. It's been called the Diamond Jubilee, the Platinum Jubilee. But this year we're honouring the late Queen, the Queen Elizabeth II Jubilee Stakes, part of the British Champion Series. It's a six furlong sprint with 16 and an international feel, as Bill was saying early on. Artorias... Could be the favourite for this one. James McDonald's not had his finest week at Royal Ascot, you'd have to say, as a jockey so far. Uh, but this horse ran in March in Australia uh, and won the race over there. He won the Group 1 Canterbury Stakes. But then, in the Group 1 George Ryder Stakes, could only finish fourth. So be interested to see when Bill thinks if he's going to be favourite or not. We've got the always consistent Highfield Princess, who just got touched off in the King stand to your selection, Bradsall, still living off that one for a few weeks still. Um, that was very close at the end. Bit of interference, didn't really affect the result, but she ran a terrific race. Uh, and she goes up from five to six furlongs on Saturday. Wellington, of course, comes over from Hong Kong for Richard Gibson, uh, having chased some lucky swainers on more than one occasion, I think four of his last four starts behind that horse. Kin Ross is owned by Mark Chan, who's a Hong Kong businessman. Rafe Beckett. These are going to be popular in the Whirlpool markets. Uh, Wellington and Kin Ross in particular. Sacred goes in there as well. Rohan, who uh, has won the Wokingham a couple of times for David Evans. And Art Power's going to blaze them off. And Art Power drawn in 11. That's uh, going to be pretty good for horses with Highfield Princess in 16 and Wellington in 15. I think that's the place you want to be, is it? Possibly. It's not the um it's, it's not straightforward the draw this week to know where where um where to be landed. I mean you mentioned Artorius was, was only fourth last time he was beaten three quarters of an end. <laughs> it was a very tight finish that and he's deserves to be favourite. He'll be played very late, off a strong pace, seems to improve as a four year old. Um ran well in the low race last year, didn't get the smoothest of passages. Uh, Jamie Spencer did the steering that day. He was third to Naval Crown. And, you know, a year on, a year stronger. Bound to be bound to be right there. Definitely be in my Cronella Artorias. Um, I think Hyper Princess will run well. I think she's just a, a mare that takes racing. She's just get better with every start. I think Six Furlongs is perfect for her. Um, she'll probably find one, one too good. But she's got to be in the mix. And then you've got Wellington, he'll travel strongly with Ryan Moore. Um, will be played late. Another another one that makes it. Somebody can make a case for Kim Ross to go well. Um, sacred offensive in the race 12 months ago. It's it's painfully hard 
Um, I think Sacred are probably at the prices at nine to one would be the one I'd pay for at this point. Um, it's her first run of the season last year, and she was fifth to Naval Crown. Um, ran on, didn't quite have the speed to get there. Um, and six is definitely on the sharp side for her. But I think she's going to run really well. I think the decent surface will help her. Um, I think she looked really good at Lingfield last time. She may have just strengthened up and improved as a five-year-old. I think I'll play her as the main kind of each-way player around nine to one. And then from a Cornella point of view, I'll probably put her in with Artorius. Because I think he's bound to be there. Um, and I'd probably pop Highfield Princess in. Probably play those three, Sacred, Artorius and Highfield Princess. But I think Sacred's the value from a betting point of view. It is a cracking race, isn't it? As you say, you can go down. It's got a lot of depth to it and a lot of international flavour as well. Ascot must be absolutely loving that, attracting the horses from abroad. And, and it really gives a, an extra bit of spice to it because we don't know how good they could be when they come over, such as Wellington and Artorias. It's going to be a fascinating race. That's at 3.40 on Saturday afternoon, the highlight of the car, the, the Jubilee. At uh, 4.20, when we've given out all the prizes and settled down after picking up Bill's massive Quinella price, and we're going to have the Hardwick Stakes over a mile and a half, a group two, small field of eight. Hookham's in this one for Owen Burrows, who's just a brilliant trainer and doesn't get all the respect he probably deserves. This horse has won two in a row now, won the Coronation Cup, group one on Derby Day, and then went up to Sandown, won the Brigadier Gerard by half a length, beating Desert Crown, staying on at the end to beat the former Derby winner. Free wind. She's always uh, running her heart out. She's uh, been winning at Deauville, Doncaster, Haydock in York for George Strawbridge and John and Thady Gosden. Frankie on board. We haven't seen a pile driver for absolutely ages, but hopefully he'll be back again for William Muir and Chris Grassick in this race. It was July of last year, the King George, where we last saw pile driver. He was winning it. He beat Torquato Tasso. PJ McDonald back on board. On Saturday, Dover Legend went down to Australia and ran fourth in the Melbourne Cup, only beaten five lengths. So that's a pretty good form as well. And changing of the guards in there as well for Aidan O'Brien Rymore. It's it's Hookham. He's just just a lovely horse. He's a six-year-old and he very rarely disappoints. He didn't do so well in the Shima Classic in Dubai, but he's only beaten a length on three quarters there. So his form is terrific. Yeah, he's rock solid. I, I think the only question mark with him is going to be the ground. This will be the fastest ground he's encountered. If they let him take his chance, that's got to be a lingering worry whether they decide to run or not run. Um, nothing's been said of yet, but, but they've deliberately kept him away from the fast stuff and he's had his problems over the years. So that's just a little bit of a concern I have that he's top class. Uh, if the word good or good to stop was that predominant going description you'd really fancy him but I think it just could be vulnerable from betting purposes here um, Free Wind is the obvious one she's on the upgrade, she's five now this mare and obviously looking strong with a group one for the first time, she's won at group three and group two level uh, she was good at York when we saw her back in May and Rogue Millennium boosted that form by winning here um, on the first day so that just shows you um how um how impressive um well, on Tuesday I think it was in the Duke of Cambridge 
So, you know, that, that, that piece of form looks good. A few straightforward changes of the guard you can take on. I'm not sure about him. It's, it's a question mark. Jury's still on it out about him. I think he'd prefer it softer. Hard driver, first run back. But if he returns to that form, he'd be the one. And he goes so well at Ashford, but you've got to feel he might just need it. Same probably with Dovia Legend, they're respected, but they may just need it. No, I think it'd be free win. That's she gets a vote for me at eleven to four. Um, from a from a whirlpool perspective, probably try pile driver and Dovia Legend with him. Um, but yeah, whether Hugh Hogan wins or not, I'm not too sure. But I'd be prepared to take him on. Okay, we'll take it on the favourite in that race. What about five o'clock? The six furlong Wokingham Stakes with a maximum field got a big twenty-eight of them spread across. The track, I guess the draw is going to be relevant here. Although we saw on Thursday they've been coming from both sides when Haley Turner, when she was down the stand side, and the second was only uh, a neck away over on the far side. So it could be just where the speed is on in, in this particular race. It's always really tough. You know, we've got horses in there that we know. Horatio for Charlie Hills, he's won his last two. Kanjar, William Haggis, cheek pieces on first time for Shadwell. Probe for Jenny Candish, big win for her if she could win the Wokingham. Chipstead got his victory last time out. Lethal Levi was probably better last year than he has been this year. Uh, the likes of Fresh, who loves it at Ascot Kings Lynn for the King and the Queen. Just been a bit disappointing, Kings, and I just can't seem to get him to, to win a race for me. Bielsa loves the sprints. Mr. Wagu has been running quite a lot recently. Summerhand is in there as well. He'll be staying on from the back of the field. Yeah, it's just just an amazing race um, to, to tip a winner. It's probably just best to try and tip a, an each-way place horse, isn't it? And this is almost impossible to know who's going to come out on top. Yeah, I mean, Orazio has been tipped up strongly for this over a, over a period of time. And I, I was here at Ascot back in May when... He was a, a, a really impressive winner of, of the trial here off the market ninety three, but handicapper shot with nine pounds more of coal on. It's just it's enough to make you think. Look, he might well be a group horse to rally in a handicap, but off a mark of one hundred and two, almost has to do. And but he's around six to one, thirteen to two. I think he's the most likely winner, but I think he's opposable on merits. Um, I don't think he's thrown in. Um, and I think I'd, I'd take him on probe. I think probably needs softer ground. Um, Kanjar's become pieces the first time. He's become a bit of a talking horse. Um, he was expensive beat favourite in the Egg Hill Cup last year. Uh, finished 20th at 24, but showed a bit signs, signs of life back on fast ground at Hamilton last time. Uh, back up to 99. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's respected, but again, he's plenty short enough. Look, I think this is a race you can swing the bat out and go for a couple of big prices. Um, one with the head, one with the heart. Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, the one, the one with the head um, is number 14, St. Lawrence, um, who, at the time of recording, I'm just checking the prices now, I think you can still get 33 to run. Um, St. Lawrence, now, his left Roger variant is now with Archie Watson. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time of recording, he's 33 to 1. There we are, 33 to 1 with Coral, um, 33 to 1 in, in, with Mavericks. Um, he's just a rock solid each way, about six places. Um, this is a horse who I think it's fair to say lost his way a bit for previous connections. Um, but there's bits and pieces of form in there that put him pretty close. 
this time last year, he was sixth to Nature Strip in the Kingsland, which is stunning for over five furlongs of fast ground. Didn't run a race since, has been gelded. Had his first run back after gelding where he was sixth to Garrett, that wasn't a great run and didn't show much behind Pro, but has changed yard in the middle of May. Turns up here for Archie Watson with blinkers on. Um, look, he's got a bounce back from, from those last two bad runs, but you can take a chance on him. He's been dropped to the mark of 100, which is very lean. I think he can go well um, at a big price. So, oh, 33 to 1. And the other one I think is is an interesting runner is Mick Sauce, uh, Mick Appleby. And Juan Lapan, number 26, has, has won every race on very fast ground that Mick's ever running on. And he was third in the Air Gold Cup off of Mark of 92, of 97 here in essence. Um, Ali Rawlinson Wrighton, he's a, a, a good friend and the jockey that's had it real tough. And he's been on this podcast in the past. I don't think there'd be more peace for anyone this week, more than Ali, if he had a winner at Africa. Yeah. And one of the pounds, I just think, is worth about 25 to 1 each way. I think he's got a genuine chance. So those are my two I play. Just briefly, how big was it for, for Mick to get a Royal Ascot winner? He's tried so much. He's He was beaming afterwards. And you, you must have gone up and congratulated him because I know you know him really well. Yeah, yeah. I got a big, big Mick bear, bear hug after the race. I was thrilled for them. <laughs> Generally, didn't have a penny on the horse, but I, I was absolutely thrilled for them because this is nice people. Yeah. And this is a game of nice people and lots of nice people and they are making Charlie are definitely in the top of the nice people charts and, and you know they work bloody hard and they do really well with horses that aren't expensive to be bought and they're just genuinely lovely people and it's great to see them win a race like that you know because it, as Nick said in his interview afterwards been trying a long time yeah. trying a long time to finally get one and, and he got one they deserve it and um, you know it's, 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 it's one for the good guys as they say absolutely well done to Mick. Great stuff. I've, I've been to the yard a few times filming and it couldn't be a nicer bloke around, really. That's uh, in the training ranks. He's brilliant. That's well done to them. 5.35 done Saturday. The Golden Gate Stakes is the mile and a quarter. It's a handicap with 15. And Aiden's got Canute, or is it Canute? Here we go again with another name we're not sure of. Uh, not Brex for Charlie Johnston, who came into Royal Ascot in really good form. I don't think it's really stopped knocking the winners in just yet. Maybe he'll do it at the end of the week. He's got a couple here. He's got Line of War as well for the Qatar racing guys. Ziyab is in there for Judmont. Have Secret is in there too for Richard Fye. Uh, a typically tricky-looking race at 5.35. Yeah, this is painfully hard because the market kind of uh, pulls you towards the top with Canute, but he's probably taken on about the process. Though. It's just... When you get these um, expensive bread, flashy, no brown horses, dipping their toes into handicaps, it's hard to avoid them. Um, but they're probably take on a ball. Um, but the prices is probably a lot better than the market 93. Um, you mentioned about the Johnsons. Every time you think they're not going to have a winner, they'll have a winner. <laughs> They've got a really strong hand here. Not Brex, which is the, right, the amount of Frankie. Um, Supposed amount of Frankie, you might still get in on, on the time recording, is still the reserves. Zerra would be his first ride, but not Brett's is a nice ride for this team. Um, he made, made all over a mile and a half at the York, and look, he's 
got McIntyre. If he's going to be positively ridden from a low draw, he's going to be bang there. But look, I was I was prepared to swing the bat at a couple of big prices because it tends to be the way to play Ascot. Um, I thought the, the stables other run of line of war was definitely interesting. Um, that was a really good run. Had the speed to win on very fast ground last time at Musselburgh. Only got four pounds high mark. Now this is obviously a much better grade, but the penny seems to be dropping with this three-year-old. Son of Roaring Lion, trip will be perfect. I thought Lion of War was, was definitely my kind of first bullet at the race. Uh, and then the other one was the Richard Fahey. He's had a kind of mixed back. He had a second here yesterday, um, have secret. But this is a horse that ran in that London Gold Cup. And the form of that race is taking out all right. So Exoplanet and Bertinelli pulled the form yesterday. And have secret seems a big price. Um, in this race, I'm just seeing the price now, the time of recording, but yeah, have secret is still 14 to 1 freely available, 16s in a place. I thought that was a big each way price, have secret. So I'll play those two. So I play line of war each way, 17 to 2 with hills, and have secret 16 each way at Beth. This is five. You can bet with them or 14 to 1 with coral or hills. The final race for Royal Ascot 2023 on Saturday is at 10 past six. It's the uh, Queen Alexandra Stakes, over two miles, five and a half furlongs. I always remember this race being quite uh, quite a busy race, but there's only 10 in this year's event. And last year's winner is back for more. Stratum in the Tony Bloom colours. The one he sold a couple of his Brighton players on Saturday morning. He'll be off to Ascot to cheer on his horse for Willie Mullins and William Buick, who uh, rode last year and he rides again this. Dawn Rising comes from Joseph O'Brien's yard, J.P. McManus colours, and Ryan Moore is on board. Also was third at Leopardstown. Charles Burns, another one from Ireland coming over. Run for Oscar with Jim Crowley on board. Dermot Weld, they must have all got on the same ferry. Goodness me. Falcon 8 here with Tom Marquand on board. That Our old friend Goshen turns up for Steve Packham and Gary Moore. Not a hurdle and certainly not a fence in sight for him. He'll be absolutely... Loving that as well. You you don't see too many um, stats and, and information and, and comments of of horses, but Stratum running November at Ortoy over three miles, finished seventh of eight, beaten eighty one plus lengths, and it says at the comment came home in own time. That's my kind of horse. That's that's basically me after five days at Royal Ascot. Come home in your own time. Obviously, things got, went badly wrong for him that day. But can he repeat last year's victory? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's the most likely his favourite. He's the most likely winner. Um, Stratum, uh, it wasn't a, a, a great prep run, but last year's prep run wasn't so good either. He's beaten outside, finished last at the car last year and then came on a one here on fast ground. And here we are, a year on, where he bombed out and left us down at the same same time of year, middle of May, and then it's using this as a prep. Um, his age catching up with him. It will do eventually. It's whether it's today or, or, or Saturday, um, or whether it's another day, but Stratum with William Buick booked. Uh, looks the obvious one. The Irish have a strong hand here. They've got, got Dawn Rising for Joseph O'Brien with Ryan Moore, um, who looks... You know, he looks, looks the main rival to this. There's pieces of his form that that can put him bang there. The one thing that he will do is stay. And this is two miles, five and a half. It's the longest race on the flat racing calendar. And that tells you all you need to know. So you're lots of mile and a half is trying to stay two miles, five and a half. It's hard enough staying the two and a half of the Ascot Gold Cup trip. But this is two miles, five and a half. It's even further. My worry with 
both of those two would be the fast ground. And actually, um, this fellow, Dawn Rising, can actually handle the fast ground. Let's go back through his catalogue. He, he was a good fourth, um, second time out behind Galileo Chrome, uh, which is a nice piece of form uh, in that maiden. That was on fast ground back at Ricara. So the, the ground should improve, no bother. Um, it looks to be a straight shootout. Ron Frosca's next next in the in the betting. We know this horse well, former Cesaro, which winner. Um, Brown's a slight question mark with this fella. He's been well back, but Charles Burns obviously having a crack to try, try and beat these guys. If I'm honest, it's a race I don't have the strongest of you on. From a kind of world quinella perspective, you have to have Stratum in. You have to have Dawn Rising in. And I'd probably throw Andrew Baldwin's horse typewriter. Never been this far, never been further than two miles, but stepping up to two miles, five and a half, may well be the answer to him. Andrew's got a great record in this race. Um, he's hit the bar a few times this week, could easily roll into Saturday without a winner. And typewriter could easily run well. I can see there being a bit of a move for typewriter in the market. It's nine or ten to one at the moment. I can see him being backed, but I would probably play Scott and Dawn Rising and typewriter uh, on the kind of whirlpool Cronella. But if you haven't backed a winner at this stage, might be worth just folding the bat on the arm and walking to the car park. Thanks, Bill. The card looks really tricky on Saturday. That was Bill Esdale previewing all of Saturday's card at Royal Ascot. And he spoke of the Whirlpool markets. Let's find out more about those markets from the totes Jamie Hart. He's been with us all week on the podcast when I spoke to him a few days ago I asked him to tell us all about Whirlpool and the international reach that it has. It's a global event the best thing about the Whirlpool is everybody from every corner of the world seems to be getting getting their money into it there are actually 28 countries betting into the Whirlpool the most significant ones for people to think about when they're looking at the runners Hong Kong uh, that's the biggest part of the pool France the PMU is also significant Australia, we've got a good few Australian representatives this week, and the, and the USA, of course, the Wesley Wards, and we've got a couple of other trainers as well sending stuff over from the USA. Yeah. So Hong Kong, France, Australia, and USA, think about those because they are all betting into the world pool. So if if you have a fancy that isn't one of the, from one of those uh, countries, then the chances are you're better off betting it on the world pool. It's quite incredible, isn't it, that the, the percentages and the amount of money when we talk every week about Hong Kong on our podcast, but the whirlpool markets, what, what they do like for the, the Derby and, and the Oaks and what they've done this year and the Lockinge as well, it, you know, sort of those big races, how much more money goes into the pool and how much more money goes back to racing in the end? Well, it's a massive amount of money goes in. I think we, t- we take about 30 to, we, we would expect to take about 30 million pounds a day uh, on a whirlpool day meeting. Um, and, and I think there have been a number of uh, uh, numbers quoted about how much money goes back to the race course for, for each day. I think the Hong Kong Jockey Club Supremo, uh, he said that it's between 600 and 800,000 each day, but that was a good couple of years ago and it was a bit smaller a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's a real injection uh, of money back into British racing. And it really helps, particularly the group ones, when we all know the prize money in France and Australia and Hong Kong and Japan is, is, is better than it is in the UK. We are suffering a little bit competitively. People still love the, the pomp and ceremony of Royal Ascot. We're not very competitive on prize money and the Whirlpool really does help us on these big days to be competitive. Of course, it's always great to find winners. It's always tough to find winners though at a venue like Royal Ascot, but with 
the whirlpool market you don't have to actually find a winner to get a winning bet talk us about some of the bet types they're called quinella they're swingers the trifectas certainly the, the, you know the, the swinger you don't need to back the winner of the race to have a winning bet no i always like to think of the swinger as kind of an each way forecast it's kind of because it gives you extra play so the swinger uh, over in hong kong they call it the quinella place but it is the swinger we do have the swinger over here it's never really been very as popular here but it's the most popular bet in hong kong on the world pool 20 well 24.6 percent of the money is on the swinger and 24.3 percent is on the quinella so two bets that aren't really engaged with in the uk a half of that total that 30 million half of it will be in in the swinger and the quinella so the swinger is picking two horses to come in the first three so it can be any two you can be second and third first and third first and second basically if you have two fancies put them in a swinger and you get paid if they come in the first three the quinella for those as old as me they'll remember the tote used to do the dual forecast dual forecast yes it is basically the dual, the old dual forecast. It's it's one and two, but in any order. So don't don't kind of go to those markets last. They are half of the total pool. Those two markets on their own. So if you're looking at a little bit of value, and this is something I do quite often, you'll look in the win the win market. And you'll see something that you fancy, particularly a, a British horse um, that might not be picked up internationally. It could be paying double the win price. You know, eight minutes out. Now, of course, everybody with an internet connection can tell that it shouldn't be that price. So people mm -hmm. file in on the win book, on the win book, uh, and and it get, and it will still pay more, but it will be it won't be paying double. You don't you know you see these big prices just a little a few minutes out, but they don't stay because of there's so much flow going in trying to correct it. But that's in the win market. Those horses in the Quinella and the Quinella place remain backed like a 20 to 1 chance if they're a 10 to 1 chance so the value remains in those pools so if you do see one that's overpaying that you like don't just back it to win do back it to win of course if you want to but also throw a little bit in there with the quinellas and the quinella pace because that's where the real value will remain are there certain jockeys that are well known in hong kong in particular where the whirlpool uh, is, is dominant like frankie the tory ryan moore will buick would they be jockeys that have been over bet maybe during the races and, and other jockeys like Kevin Stott, Danny Muscott, those kind of jockeys, maybe Paul Mulrennan, that they'll be wouldn't be so quite well known. You get better prices on those kind of horses. Well, that's it. We did some research exactly on this, Chris. Um, we put all of the people, we just took all the jockeys that had at, re at least 10 runners so that you know we had it, it so it's a decent enough um sample. Um, it turned out the person who most often didn't overpay on the uh, on the on the whirlpool so if you backed christoph sumion you only got a bigger price on the whirlpool 50% of the time now he's the he's the worst so christoph sumion obviously we've got the pmu the french tote mm. the domestic uh, supporters will be on him but he, he's so internationally renowned isn't he that hong kong and uh, australia they've all seen christoph sumion second in on on the list of of horses of runners that won't necessarily will, will give you a less likely uh, overpay. Holly Doyle is uh, second most. She's she only overpays fifty four percent of the time. And one of the interesting ones in the top ten for for not overpaying so much is Kieran Fallon. Of course, it's Kieran Fallon Jr. And we were scratching our heads, going, "Well, how, how come he's become so famous?" But I, I genuinely think that some of these international world pool punters that are only really engaging with British racing on these days probably think it's still Kieran Fallon senior. Quite incredible. Really something to watch out for. Of course, Kevin Stott, 
Now the jockey for Ama Racing, they're going to have a ton of horses at Royal Ascot. That could be very interesting to follow him. How do we bet into the whirlpool? If we're at home, we're watching it, we're listening to it, how do we do it online? And if we go, we're lucky enough to be at Royal Ascot, how do we do it on track? Okay, well, it's pretty simple. So um, I think most most companies uh, are plugged into the tote. So you should be able to, if you choose tote for your option in most of the, most of the betting companies, then you will be betting straight into the whirlpool. If you want to get a, a bit better value than just just the standard uh, whirlpool price, if you come, if you do go into Tote Co UK, the the British Tote, we're we're the conduit into the whirlpool, so you don't have to go anywhere special. It's just on the normal Tote site. Right. Um, and but with us, you get you get the best of either the whirlpool plus ten percent, or the SP, whichever's better. So there's there's enormous value in there if you bet if you are sitting at home and you're betting on your uh, on your mobile or you're betting on your laptop, then come to Tote Co UK or Tote.ie for if you're listening in Ireland, and you'll be betting straight into the whirlpool. But you'll be getting even bet- better dividends than they're getting on course. If you're on course, then you get you just bet with bet with um, Ascot. It's branded up bet with Ascot, but um, their Tote tills behind there, and you get you bet straight into the whirlpool uh, at Ascot. Looking towards the racing on Saturday. And it's the, the QE2, the Jubilee Stakes over the six furlongs. That's the group one on the day. And of course, for the Whirlpool market and for Hong Kong in particular, Wellington is the, the horse that we're all looking forward to seeing coming over. Richard Gibson, his trainer, saw him work recently in a, in a trial and it all went well with Wellington. And we always talk about the prize money on the podcast with Wally Pyra, who's been in Hong Kong for many years himself, and how much money races are worth in Hong Kong, and it's not worth the golden 60s and the lucky swainnesses to come over. So it's great that Wellington is coming over. And, and is he going to be really, really popular on, on Saturday? I, I cannot wait for this race. I, th- I think this is going to be the biggest world pool turnover race of all time. I think the record so far, I think it was 6.7 million on a race, um, which was the coronation stakes last year in Spiral's coronation. But there are a couple of other Guineas winners in there against it. You just need... You need plenty of differing opinions to drive massive turnover. And Wellington will have the weight of Hong Kong's punting money, uh, all those dollars, Hong Kong dollars, into the whirlpool for, for Wellington. I think at the start of the week, it's just Wellington's kind of a six-to-one best price. Um, it will not be anywhere near that on the whirlpool. Of course, if you bet through the tape, we'll match the SP, so you're not going to be shortchanged. But... If you are a Wellington fan, back it with a bookmaker, uh, back it on the exchanges, try and get the biggest price you can because the sheer weight of money from Hong Kong will drive almost all of the market down. But it means that you will have value across all of the others. The other one, Artorias, the the Australian horse, there'll still be plenty of money coming in for that. Um, So that won't be one of the massive overpayers. Kin Ross, again, um, Mark Chan owned uh, and has done well on Whirlpool Day. So the, the, the punters that only ever watch UK racing, UK and European racing on Whirlpool days will have seen Ken Ross, and that's, that'll be in the back of their heads. Um, I think, you know, if you're looking for it, if, if Highfield Princess comes out again, I know he's entered in the King Stand and this, I think she could be, she'll, she'll be value. Some people have been touting Rohan, which will be a big price on the um, on the, the Whirlpool, but I'm not sure about whether Rohan's back to his best. So you could be looking at things like Run to Freedom will be a massive price. Henry Candy, another one that just doesn't get back you know so some of the french horses to look in there but I, th- I think because there'll be so much money for this wellington 
and there'll be so much money coming in from all the pros trying to offset that cash. It'll be like it'll be like the seventh race at Ascot in the Magnificent Seven with Frankie Dettori, where the whole market is can't believe how short a price it is, and so we all smash into the rest, and then Wellington will probably spoil the party by winning anyway. So at the end of a great Royal Ascot week, we've got the weekend still to look forward to on Sunday morning this weekend. Nine o'clock it starts, so we're sticking with the twilight meeting at Sha Tin. It's Hong Kong. Our expert, Wally Pirate, joins us. And Wally, as I say, it's a nine o'clock start, so we don't have to get up too early. And we've got ten races to look forward to. I think the Class 2 handicap at 11.35 looks quite interesting there. Yeah, it's um there's a couple of there's a couple of decent races. I mean Hong Kong, you can imagine the enthusiasts and the betters over in Hong Kong have just had a wonderful week. They've had all the world pool racing from Royal Ascot beamed in live. And then to follow up with a racing at uh Sha Tin on Sunday. That I mean mm. they it must have been absolute bliss for all those that I, I visualise them now sitting on the little corners, street corners, all the thousands and thousands of guys waiting for what they call the betting shops over there to place their bets and what have you. So, yeah, it's been very, very good. Anyway, yeah. as you said, 10 races, a um, couple of group two, uh, sorry, a couple of group three races worth £400,000 each, not to be sniffed at. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, say it week after week, all eyes will be on Purton again. I mean, he got himself back on track uh, last Sunday. We haven't had any racing since then, but he got himself a four-timer, which means now there's eight meetings remaining. He needs 16 winners to surpass Marrera's record of 170 to a meeting. And the thing is, although you don't know what the weather's like, because the weather just keeps changing with the rain and what have you. Never, Nobody ever knows what's going to happen there. And, of course, as I said last week, it's the end of the season. Horses need to earn their corn, so we're always going to get one or two surprise results. So, on paper, it looks like he could pr- probably do it, especially when you look at his rides before racing. But it's still going to be a tough task. Again, He's got his dance card marked in all 10 races. You look down um, for most, most of them are going to be up, up at the front of the uh, betting odds. Especially if you look at the two group three races, the group, um, the Premier Cup at 10 o'clock over seven furlongs, only six runners, but gee, some sort of race this is. And probably jockey ship will come to the fore here. Purton rides um, Beauty Eternal. Uh, the Lion Rock Trophy uh, winner. We know we know its exploits this season. Won again last t- time over a mile. Drops to seven furlongs. Now, the interesting thing is there's a horse at the bottom there, Circuit Stella, ridden by Matt Chadwick, Tony Cruz Galloper. He was, he was second to Beauty Eternal last start. His best form is over seven furlongs. He's won three and been placed five. And he's very well handicapped with Beauty Eternal on their form in April over seven furlongs. He's eleven pound better off for a very narrow defeat. So if you got if the form book expert should say that Circuit Stella's got a big chance, but you can guarantee that Beauty Eternal 
I'd be very surprised if he's not on odds on shot. The other group race is the 1205, the Group 3 Premier Plate. This is an interesting one. You've got all the old stayers there, like Senor Toba, um, mm-hmm. who won over the course and distance in uh, December. Torbian Diamond, he's the reigning champ of this race. He won this race last season. And the talented but desperately frustrating Panfield. I mean, how can you possibly trust that horse? I mean, if that <laughs> won, you'd be so lucky. But you look at it, you've got the John Size and Purton again. They come out yet again with Tuchel. I mean, just <laughs> as I've said before, it doesn't seem to be a week goes by when Tuchel's not on the race card. This is his third race in a month. He ran really well last start when he was third, carrying top weight on a a, a rain-sodden track. He must have a big chance. But, and I say but, having looked at this horse last chance last time, fa- fancied it strongly, suddenly knew he'd got no chance when the gates opened, got left at the start. And from then on, I guarantee, well, I promise you, if you watch the race, he never saw daylight from the beginning to the end. It was a complete and utter mess up. That is the horse called Best Peach. He won He won four of his last five starts when trained by Clive Cox in the UK last year. His only defeat came in the old 30-runner Britannia handicap where he finished fourth. He's got good form. This is his trip. And he, the only time he's run over it, well, as I said, that was the last time. Just ignore that form. He's got a bottom weight. I just think he'll run a big race. How far Tuchel can still perform again? As I say, he's had eight, eight races this year. He's, the handicap has put him up £30 in the ratings. So that shows how uh, progressive he is. But if you look for a little bit of each way value, I just think that the best peach is the one. Very quickly, looking at the other races, most of them all include Purton on them. You've got the um, one of the interesting races, the 11, 11 o'clock is the 10 furlong handicap. And it's my old, my old racing club in Hong Kong. It's the racing club 15th year anniversary. So I've got a bit of a, a soft spot for that race. And it's a horse that I'm, uh, there's a horse in it called Billionaire Secret that is turning into one of my cliff horses. I fancied him on the last three runs. He's, there's always something's conspired against him about winning. He steps up in trip. Everything looks good for him, but can you trust him? I don't know. It's one of these, the, yeah, it's a cliff horse, isn't it? How many times you fall off the cliff? Yeah, the eleven, the eleven thirty-five. You got Golden Express. This is a horse that's gone up twenty-nine pound in his last three runs. He's going for the fourth, fourth win. But up against him is a horse called We Are Hero, five furlong specialist. Strongly fancied last time out. Very disappointing, but subsequently was found he was found to be lame. So he had an excuse. So that's a good a good matchup between Golden Express and We Are Hero. And then probably in the last race, the uh the 145, the seven furlong handicap. Um Purton, how he does it, but Purton jumps up onto Taj Dragon. 
He should have won last start with Vincent Ho. He looked all over a winner and then suddenly got overhauled in the closing stages. But the interesting thing is that the horse that beat him, Find My Love, subsequently carried a £7 penalty and was raced off top weight and won again. So that form obviously looks very smart. It looks, opposition includes Wings of War, um, Solid Impact, I can't fancy Chu Chow's spirit anymore. I mean, he, he was diagnosed as being a roarer after his last race and a horse at the bottom with Vincent Ho on, who's been jocked off, but now rides a horse called uh, Euro Rocks. He looks like a horse that will enjoy this seven furlong trip. Hard to go against T Taj Dragon on recent form, but maybe Euro Rocks will improve and sixth generation that's a, a Happy Valley specialist, won a lot of races, is now running at Chart is now running at Chartin. So all in all, if you've made your money at Hong, if you've made your money at Royal Ascot, there's obviously one or two horses to play at Chartin. And if not, just watch and enjoy. Just before you go, 10 seconds on Wellington, coming over to Royal Ascot on Saturday in the Jubilee. Ryan Moore, he's ridden him over in Hong Kong before. He was third to Lucky Swainers. Richard Gibson, it's a big move. It's great for the racing. It's great for Whirlpool as well. How will he do? What's your thoughts on Wellington on Saturday, very quickly? There seems to be, from what I've heard from the yard and people closely connected with um, Wellington, they they fancy him very strongly. And the good thing is he's drawn next to Highfield Princess. So he's going to get a toe into the race. When you look at the race, with all, with all due respect, it's not the greatest sprinting race in the world. I My first thoughts about Wellington when it was first said he was coming over, well, he's a bit old in the tooth. But there doesn't look too much big opposition. And as anybody will notice, he's been very, very heavily supported this week. And it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't go off favourite. Yes, I think the, the mere fact that Ryan Moore is on him, he'll start considerably shorter in Hong Kong, as you can well appreciate, because it's it's the city's champion horse after Lucky Swainess. So all in all, I think he's going to run a big race. And I hope dearly for his trainer, Gibson, that he does do. So fingers crossed that Hong Kong, as a winner at Royal Ascot, the first one since... Little Bridge, what was it, 2011, 2012? I was there, I can't remember, getting old now, I can't remember the years, but it was around, two, I think it was 2012. Anyway, fingers crossed for Wellington. Yes, I do think he's got a big chance. Thanks, Wally. Good luck with your selections. Also good luck to Wellington, the Hong Kong horse, coming over to the UK on Saturday at Royal Ascot. Keep your fingers crossed for all of those and all of those winners. Thanks to Bill Esdale and to Jamie Hart for joining us on today's podcast as well. And that's it for Royal Ascot Week here on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us on all of the five days. We'll be back again next Friday as we take our usual look ahead to the UK and Hong Kong racing. So please make sure you join us then. Don't forget, you can visit the City AM website for all the latest news and horse racing tips 
Bill Esdale writes on there every day during Royal Ascot and Wally Pyra is writing on there for the Hong Kong meetings. And you can also follow the podcast on Apple Tunes, Spotify, Amazon Music or Stitcher to get the latest episodes as soon as they're released. 